Welcome to Our Fighting Spirit, the podcast that celebrates and shares the stories of those who believe in persevering over giving up, standing again after falling, and continuing to live and build a life of their dreams, no matter the circumstances. Here's your host, Anthony Gigante. Hi, I'm Anthony Gigante, and welcome to another edition of Our Fighting Spirit, the podcast that brings you everyday people like you and I who wake up and their goal is to inspire others. Today, we have a very special guest. I, I like to think of him as a Renaissance man. His name is Lanny Cordolo. Lanny, welcome. Thank you, Anthony. It's really a pleasure to have you today. And, uh, you know, it was funny. I was thinking before we started, we, we really just got on the phone the first time about maybe three or four days ago. And I think we're on, I looked at the phone when we were done. We were on the phone for over 90 minutes. <laughs> but you know what? It felt like five minutes. It felt yeah. like it was a kindred spirit. It felt like a connection, Absolutely. a brother I, I you know, uh, had all my life and we just reconnected. So it was really wonderful. So I thank you for that. You too. Thank you for the time. Uh, my pleasure. Now, Lana, you're here in California, and you had the. Uh, you grew up. Uh, you're, you you grew up with all when music changed by by like decade, right? Or every five years, of music changed with the uh, the sounds of the Beach Boys, then the English Invasion, then the heavy metal Hollywood rock scene. And let's get into what music inspired you as a young man. Um, to to what what was your awakening to music? What was the first thing that really got you and hooked you? Uh, yeah, I think the Beach Boys, um, you know, uh, growing up in Southern California and just having a real deep kinship with the, the great Pacific and the Beach Boys really embodied um, that not even so much like the surf songs, but wouldn't it be nice and God only mm -hmm. knows. And later on, they had surfs up and just these incredible you know, pieces of music. And then uh, the doors were also very pivotal. Um, I, I loved the, the poetic uh, element and the mythological element that Jim Morrison brought into, um, you know, the music scene and how he was really influenced by not only the blues, like so many bands were, but also, you know, the Weimar Republic, German, you know, cabaret scene and mm -hmm. um, flamenco, Robbie Krieger's flamenco guitar playing. And I'm just like, wow, I really want to do that. Then, of course, mm -hmm. it was Bob Dylan and the Beatles and, and Led Zeppelin and uh, the Kinks. Love the Kinks. Um, Kinks, Ray Davies, a, a, a genius and yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, genius. One of the great uh war anti-war songs you know some mother's son man what a mm -hmm, you know mm -hmm. and then of course waterloo sunset and and uh you know these kind of songs it just i you know it was just such a mystery to me it's like how do you do that because mm -hmm. I, I i started playing guitar and i'm like how do you do this i mean what is this you know how, what, what's the cipher here you know and mm -hmm. it's just for some people i think it's just sort of voila but for me it was grinding it out and i and i do it every day and now it's becoming more is flowing like i mean i can't even keep up anymore with with the songwriting and that so much of that i, I developed by being you know in pakistan afghanistan iraq and all these mm. different places that i eventually ended up but mm. that was that was that was the foundation and of course there was you know the the jazz like john coltrane mm -hmm. alonius monk lee morgan 
um, uh, Pharaoh Sanders, you know, the modal jazz, if you will, which is very influential. Foundation of jazz. Yes. The foundation. Absolutely. Yeah, now, let me ask you this. You know, and, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, it's me. kind of post bebop and mm-hmm. you know pre um, fusion. You know, so they call it spiritual jazz because the mm-hmm. themes are all you know a love supreme. The creator has a master plan. Music is the healing force of the universe. Mm-hmm. I mean, if these things don't take you off on flights of fancy to expand mm-hmm. your your musical and human vocabulary and consciousness, I don't. I just don't know what else what, what would would be available. And everyone was influencing each other. You listen to the mm-hmm. birds eight miles high, and that mm-hmm. was influenced by Coltrane mm-hmm. um, in, in a different way. And then, you know, Roger McGuinn's 12 string guitar um, was another thing that I just have always, it's, it's just timeless to me. You know, I mean, when I listen to music, it's very, and as yeah. we get older, it's, it's, it's like, they're like symphonies. It's, it's incredible. Now I want to ask, I want to ask you, what was the first song you heard that said, and you said, I want to play guitar. What was that first song? Do you remember what was the or the first vision or the first um, look at, at a band or whatever, whichever way it inspired you? Do you remember? My first, my first recollection is Roy Clark, the country mm. uh, guitar amazing player. guitar player, amazing, amazing guitar, guitar player. player. And I remember seeing him on the Tonight Show, and he played with such exuberance and joy. Wow. I wanted, I wanted to, I wanted to explore this phenomenon. So I got to give credit to Roy Clark, but then there was BB King because Mm BB came up and he was, you know, um, same thing. There was, it's the blues, but there was a joy in the blues. Mm -hmm. And then when I had the great honor to meet uh, BB in 1993, when I was on tour with the Beach Boys, when I went to his club in Memphis, um, I got a little time with him. It was about two o'clock in the morning. And he walked in and I was sitting at his spot and I'm like, oh, uh, sorry, Mr. King. He's no, no, son, sit right down. And he just couldn't have been any cooler. And I, I asked him, Mr. King, you know, what you can you bestow any knowledge on me? And he's like, well, son, be true to the music and the music will be true to you. And wow, that's that's what I try to live by. Uh, now wow. I didn't, I didn't for a long time. I forsake it. And, and I, and I, and I, but music is, is, is very compassionate and it's very forgiving. And when you mm-hmm. come back to it, it welcomes you with open arms. That's incredible. And those <laughs> words from BB King, simple, but yet so powerful, you know, they well, you are know, so I actually, powerful. absolutely. So, you know, uh, you know, America is a place that is, is, it's, it's like a lot of countries. It's, it's complicated, mm-hmm. uh, you know, grow up, you know, there was Vietnam and all this kind of stuff. And I really, it, it sort of planted, planted seeds in my mind. I didn't really get too overtly into why all this was happening until much later. But so I did have a little bit of um, some animosity towards these kind of things. But when I went overseas, then when I would come back, I would see, these great historical, musical, cultural um, things that had happened in America. So when I would, you know, come back to America after being overseas, uh, I would go to Memphis and I'd record in Sun Studios and I recorded, you know, Heartbreak Hotel by, you know, the Elvis Mm -hmm. song, of course, much different, much darker, Mm -hmm. much uh, more in tune with where I'm at now. And then another song I had written called Somewhere in America, which is like a 
it's kind of a love letter to America. And I wanted to mm-hmm. record that in Sun Studios with Johnny Cash mm-hmm. and Jerry Lee Lewis and Elvis and, you know, all of the original great rock and rollers did it. And I met this great engineer out there and just these wonderful people start showing up. And I just, I started writing songs about my love for America. And mm-hmm. one of them was called Memphis on my mind. And I actually mm-hmm. recorded it recently in December, this last December with um, Boo Mitchell, who is the son of Willie Mitchell, who produced Al Green mm-hmm. and wow. at, at the studio that Al Green did, you know, love and happiness. And uh, you know, all of these great classic soul soul songs. I recorded Memphis called Memphis on my mind. Wow. And um, you know, it's just one of those ones that just really come from the depths of my creative spirit and and a a love letter to memphis and um um one of the lines is is, so i sat down with bb king and asked him for a clue he said be true to the music and the music will be true to you so so i I, I, I gotta give bb a writing credit so uh, (laughs) i'm happy to do (laughs) i'm sure you are now one question when you're in the studio when you're in sun did you feel the energy of those great performers that were there before you did you feel something or 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 did it take take you take over or how did how did you feel when you're in there completely i'm because i'm playing the guitars in there and there's their pictures are right Mm. there and and it was just it was you know and I think the engineer appreciated it because so many people that come in, their artists come in and they think they're, they're like reinventing and they're going to be the new phenomena. And like, that mm. just has no resonance with me whatsoever. I'm just a mm. humble little steward of the music. And I, and it gives you a confidence because, mm. you know, I have no illusions that this is going to be a top 10 smash hit on the radio. And it's not meant for that. It's meant mm. to just, you know, um, express a really deep feeling. And uh, that's what I think, you know, one of the, you know, essence of music is, is, uh, and I love this saying that, you know, the highest form of music sings of justice and aims for transcendence. Mm. So so when I finish a song, every one of them, um, or maybe aim for silliness sometimes too, because that's always a, that's always a fun way to express some Mm. things that are so, uh, (laughs) that, that can really, um, you know, uh, dig deep. So, but, you know, it's all encompassing. You can do whatever you want with it. And, um, but I, and I played that game for a long time. I was in the matrix of the LA music scene and I just, um, it, I think when we were talking the first time I said, I had a physical and a spiritual aversion, like I can't do this anymore. Mm-hmm. And so that's when, you know, like, um, I guess sort of a resurrection, if you will, you know, the old self dies, mm-hmm. you know, I love the, I think of, of the metaphor metamorphosis of the butterfly. Mm-hmm. Um, that is a, you know, I think a very profound, um, you know, metaphor because I think so many of us feel like, Oh, this is who I am. I'm stuck. I can't do. And the minute you say you can't, you can't. And right. the minute you say right. you can, you can. I mean, it's, it's really that simple and sharing it with, you know, these incredible children that I've been working with for the last uh, six years in Afghanistan. I mean, it's, it was mm. in action. I mean, these girls think yeah. they're nothing. And now it's like, Whoa, you know, they're just, and I teach, you know, I teach them about words like confidence, you know, mm. and then I go mm. with confidence comes responsibility and, you know, and all these mm-hmm. kind of things. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing, amazing story. And I just want to, before we move into that, tremendous work that you're doing. I want to ask you just one question or maybe a couple of questions. When you were touring with the Beach Boys and then you had a TV career, you and Jesse's Jesse's band, The Rippers on Full House with John Stamos. But did you did you feel completely f- fulfilled 
even though you were probably having a great time and you're very proud of where you were, but did you feel completely fulfilled when you were doing these things? Or did you know in your heart that you had something else to do? Well, you know, John is a great guy and he's a, he's a really dear friend. And I made some really dear friends uh, uh, on the, you know, that were rippers that are still mm -hmm. dear friends to this day, like Gary Griffin. Mm -hmm. uh, so it was a different, um, you know, we were all John's buddies. We were part of his posse. And mm -hmm. I was also in a band House of Lords, you know, shortly after Full House started. Yep. So I House have this of sort Lords, of, yes. you know, thing with Gene Simmons, this rock and roll, serious rock and roll thing. And then this, you know, this, this sitcom at the time, I kind of struggled with a little bit now, but you know, what really, when it really set me free and really embraced it was when I was in Pakistan, 2010, mm -hmm. and I was with some of the best musicians in the world in Pakistan. And um, somehow something came up about Full House. And I'm like, I thought they were playing a joke on me. And mm -hmm. I said, because they're talking about, oh, they like this show Full House. And I go, well, you guys knew I was on that show. And they're like, what? And I said, you don't know, you didn't know I was a ripper. They're like, you're, you're a ripper. And I said, uh -huh. yeah. I mean, once a ripper, always a ripper. So um, uh, I, I was just, they were just so sincere about loving the show. They said they learned about America. They, they said that mm -hmm. they promoted Muslim values. And, and then one of my friends, his name is Arib Azar, one of the great musical treasures of Pakistan. He's got a sister and her name is Umayma. She's a special needs uh, soul and just, uh, oh, just a remarkable soul. And she loves Full House to this day I've mm -hmm. seen every episode like a hundred times and it just brings her such immense joy. So one of the mm -hmm. great, you know, um, joys for me was to have her make a video and I brought it and I showed it to Stamos and Stamos was just flabbergasted. He just like, mm -hmm. what this? Mm -hmm. and then, so he made a video and I brought that back wow. before we could send them on the computer. Cause well, at least I me mean, probably could, but I was pretty computer illiterate at that time. Hmm. But, so I brought it hand delivered uh you know to to Omema from john and then they've been carrying on a little correspondence so i'm sort of a delivery guy between john stamos and uh Omema uh, azar beautiful beautiful full yeah. house is a very was a very important show to a lot of people and it's like you said still to this day i mean i know people that watch it religiously in reruns used to be i used to know it was on nick at night but i'm not sure what it's on now but it's still on somewhere it's an incredible show it touched a lot of people so that is you know, that's another little piece of your career and of, of this full career you have, another little piece of that puzzle, which is incredible. So you mentioned you went to Pakistan in 2010, correct? That's correct. Okay, so here you were uh, without really knowing what to expect. I, I mean, I'm guessing here, correct me and stop me if I'm wrong, but you went to Pakistan and you, you kind of, while you were there, either you went the the uh, uh, the great flood a great flood happened while you yeah. were there or did it happen prior while you were there? So you started. No, it was it was this was about I was going to go August two thousand ten. Mm -hmm. uh, I had met a guy. Well, there's a couple of pivotal people. One's name is Mark Levine. He's a mm -hmm. professor um, at UCI. He's also a musician. Wrote heavy He's metal Islam, didn't he? Heavy uh, metal Islam, yeah, and, yeah. which is a phenomenal book. I, you know, he, it's, you know, he's a, he's a Jewish American professor who plays music and he traveled to Egypt and Pakistan and Lebanon and all these different Muslim countries. Uh, and he found that these people loved rock and roll. Mm -hmm. And, um, 
wrote this great book. I read it and then I contacted him and him and I became friends and we're, we're, we're still really good friends. And he introduced me to a guy named Todd Shea. Todd mm-hmm. is another American musician who went to Pakistan in 2005 after a huge earthquake. And uh, he's been there for 17 years with his group organization. It's a nonprofit called CDRS, Comprehensive Disaster Relief Services. Hmm. And so Todd's the one that brought, you know, he invited me to come over. And then he called and said, look, we're going to have to postpone your trip because these floods are just devastating. And I said, well, I still want to come. I still want to help. I mean, it's not just about the music. And Hmm. he says, really? He goes, it ain't going to be easy. And I said, well, you know, it's on me. I'm, I'm, I'm volunteering. He's like, all right. I goes, I think it would be good for you to see it, but you know, I know you're a Hollywood guy. And I go, well, um, I'm trying to shed that skin. So let's <laughs> dive in. And that's where I eventually, you know, started my own, um, you know, nonprofit, uh, group, um, called the miraculous love kids. And that's where mm-hmm. it started was in Pakistan. I met these children there. They had nothing, Anthony zero. I mm-hmm. mean, just barely mm-hmm. clothes on their back, no shoes, little boy didn't even have a shirt on and, you know, dirty and matted hair. And they were just giggling. They were so happy to, to mm-hmm. like, you know, greet, you know, and I'm like, what is this? You know, I am mm-hmm. just, Um, and it was during Ramadan. So during Ramadan, you know, the, you know, Muslims, they don't eat until the sun goes down and then they break Mm -hmm. the fast, which is called iftar. So at this Mm -hmm. point, like it's, it's crazy. I'm seeing crazy things. You know, the weather is quite warm and I'm, I'm just not hungry and I I became a vegetarian. So that's a whole other funny story that I met, you know, because Pakistan, well, actually, it's, the vegetarian scene is, is is growing in Pakistan. But at this point, definitely, I don't think there was any in, in there. But um, <laughs> so I just took a bunch of fruit and I was just hanging out with these kids. And uh, I think I there is a video called The Dream of a Ridiculous Man that's on my YouTube channel. And I've got the footage of those little kids on my little flip cam. And mm-hmm. I remember their names, Beanish and Hosna and a boy named Mansoor. And every time I go back to Pakistan, I go to the village where they're from to see if I can find them. And of course, mm-hmm. since they're super poor, they sort of travel around. But I go and I meet new kids that are that are miraculous love kids. And um, so that was that was the inception. That was the initial um the opening salvo, if you will, of opening mm-hmm. my spirit to, you know, suffering hum- humanity, especially through the lens of, of the child. Did you feel it immediately? Like, did you go there and, and did it hit you immediately and yes. change you in that? Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty yeah. amazing. Yeah. I went to incredible. my friend's house that are Sufis and Sufis are side of the musicians and poets and mystics of Islam. And I was weeping uncontrollably. I couldn't. Mm-hmm. And they're like, I go, what's wrong? And they're like, oh man, that's your heart cleansing itself, man. Mm-hmm. You've been mm-hmm. carrying a lot of baggage. And I go, mm-hmm. wow. And he goes, and they just busted it open for you. You can let it all go now. And I'm like, you know, that's, wow. uh, that's incredible. You know, it's funny because uh, this whole journey with for me on this podcast has been the same. But when I, after I, we stopped, you know, our conversation of the day and I went home and you went home, I came home and I looked at your uh, YouTube page and I started to cry uncontrollably as well wow. because the videos uh, are so moving and, uh, and, and, and it's, it's a, pers- you know, the, the great thing about life, if you're open to it is perspective changing moments, right? Some yeah, people aren't open to it, but watching those videos was another perspective changing moment for me because you had these, these young children who are in the middle of a 
our modern war, like this is our war from 1980 till still present, right? It's it happened in our generation, and see these children who are just smiling and playing the guitar and laughing, and we're gonna we're gonna get into all that too. But it moved me, and it really made me look forward to this this conversation today. You know, because mm-hmm. I think it's incredible work that you're doing. So, so you go, you're in Pakistan, and you're how long did you stay the first time when you went when you went over there? I guess I was there about a month. Okay. Yeah, I remember when I I flew into Islamabad, it was late at night and I get in the airport. I mean, the airport now is unbelievable. But at that point, it was just like, oh, my God, what is this? People (laughs) everywhere packed, you know, like sardines in a crushed tin box. And and then so finally I hear my friend, you know, and I'm like, oh, (laughs) because my friend Todd is a very he's a he's a he's a mountain of a man. And uh, and he's just a, a unique soul that's dedicated himself to not only the Pakistanis, but he's went to Fukushima after that or, you know, um, Mm-hmm. A nuclear uh, accident and he went to Haiti and he was in uh, after the earthquake and he was at not ground zero 911 uh, that's when he found out that he had this uh, logistics first responder sort of instinct you just kind of discover these things yes so uh, anyway we get to the place where we're staying and he, and he goes okay this is where you're staying and I'm like Ooh. and there's like four Pakistani guys and like one bed and I'm like uh, okay. So I'm like laying there mortified, you know, because there's, you know, these, these, I, these guys, I don't know. And I'm giggling at the same time, like, okay, I asked for it. And then uh, anyway, <laughs> so the, because it was so late and the next day he goes, how was it? And I go, um, is it possible to just get a, I don't care, okay, any kind of a room, just maybe just one other person. And he's like, no, yeah, no problem. We got a room for you anyway. So, uh, that's you know. good. That's good. <laughs> Wonderful, wonderful. So, so you're there for a month, and you and you're starting to cleanse your heart, as you say, right? Every day, I, I would imagine you're cleansing your your emotional things you see, and maybe the, the the littlest things trigger it, right? I mean, when you see words or children or anything happening, it triggers this emotion. Yeah, I would imagine. How many how many times did you cry in the month you were there? I mean, oh man, all the time. I mean, it was uh-huh. just like yeah. I and then when I went to Lahore, uh, which is sort of like the the Los Angeles of mm-hmm. Pakistan. And I was with the, the, the Justin Timberlake, if you will, of Pakistan. He's like the mm-hmm. most popular uh, po- uh, pop singer or maybe like Ed Sheeran now or whatever. But anyway, he, um, he took me around and, um, and of course he's uh, Pakistani girls were following us around <laughs> and, uh, and he took me to this mosque and I'd never been in a mosque before. So I'm like, um, is it, are they going to be cool? I mean, you know, and they're like, oh yeah, just come in. I go, well, I goes, I don't know how to do the whole thing. He's like, oh, don't worry about it. Just, just watch and people will be cool. And he was right. Everybody was cool. It was a really interesting feeling. And then when I walked out, this little boy came up to me and he gave me uh, this little book and he handed it to me like, sir, I want you to have this. And it was the 99 names of Allah. And it's basically just different attributes like as as Sabur is patience and, you know, um, a Rahman is compassion and, you know, all of these different, you know, attributes. And, And so I was really moved and I, you know, when I back in LA and back into the kind of, you know, some of the, the old habits, you know, old habits die hard, as they say, and it's true. Um, and so I was having a rough day and I, and I just, I saw that little book and I picked it up and it was, it came to that, the, you know, Asabor, all patient. And I thought of that little boy and he sort of appeared in front of me and I'm like, wow, this is incredible. If you open yourself up, it'll work. 
So anyway, I ended up writing a collection of songs called um, Pakistan, I Have a Dream. And it's kind of this a day and journey through, although it was, you know, years, but that first trip was, was pivotal. Um, and that little boy um, is in one of the songs. And so it's, it's sort of this mystical day. So it starts off with a preamble and there was this great poet that was sort of the soul of um, kind of the Walt Whitman of uh, mm-hmm. Pakistan. His name is Ulama Iqbal. And so he had this um, poem called Adam, um sings on coming out of paradise and i was like okay that's got to be the beginning of it and then so then it was a good morning islamabad and then i went up to the the swat valley and that's where that girl malala was from then you know up in mingora and i went into that whole region and so you know that you know there's there's some songs inspired by that and then there was afternoon in lahore and then you know so if you go from you know islamabad then you go to lahore and then way farther down in the south is karachi which is kind of like their new york Mm-hmm. And it's a wild beast of a city. And I met this sort of like, um, I don't know, Desmond Tutu or something of Pakistan. His name was um, uh, Abdul Sattar Idi. And he just, he, um, I mean, just the energy, spiritual energy that he emitted was phenomenal. And I, and I asked him, I said, you know, um, uh, you know, Idi Saab, um, Saab, I think it's like, sir, Saab is, may I um, write a song? you know, about you. He's, mm. he, didn't, he didn't really like this idea. He doesn't like attention drawn to him. And I'm, and he's like, mm. Mm. and I'm like, so what did he say? And they said, he said, well, yes, you can write a song about him, but it's gotta be called the big beggar. <laughs> Cause wow. that's what he, that's what he felt he did. He was a beggar for the poor. And wow. uh, so um, anyway, so that, that's one of the songs. And then the, then it closes with uh, Sunset in Karachi and then pa- the song called Pakistan, I Have a Dream. So anyway, that's the, the creative thing just opened up because I just wanted to document in song. And of course, I've been writing a book about all this as well, because you want to shine a light, you know, on, you know, these things that move you. And each one of us are on our own unique journey. And yes. I, I highly recommend documenting it however you can paint it, draw yeah. it sing it, you know, anything, whatever, video it just, you know, cause you come back and it, and and it just takes you back there. Mm, I agree. That's very powerful. I actually, I call that the human experience and that's the word I use now because everyone's going through their own human experience. And that allowed me to be more tolerant uh, to people that cross my path. If I didn't understand where they were coming from, then I would say, wait a minute, they're just going through their own human experience. And I don't know what that is. So I need to understand that maybe something is on their mind. Something is triggering them to be this way. And it makes it easy for me to deal with people in general. Cause I, I deal with thousands of people a week. Now, weren't you afraid? Like, the, well, let's get back to, so it all started with the gift, this young boy giving you this gift, this amazing <laughs> gift. And when you got back to California, you open this book, it became your, your guide, your blueprint. I guess I would like to use the word blueprint. Right. Yeah. And, and when you went back, did, weren't you, weren't you, did you have any fear uh, going to Pakistan the first time or the second time, or the, the, the spiritual part of it just overcame what possible fear that can come your way? Yeah. I mean, there was fear and it was a, uh, just a kind of anxiety Um, Because when you get out of your comfort zone um, and, 
you know, uh, yeah. So there, there, there was that. And then, you know, then it just be kind of came second nature. This mm. is just what I do now. I mean, and, mm. and then I'm, you know, you kind of learn the tricks of the trade at places you can go and even part mm. in the airport where you can go like in Dubai. And, and I made mm. friends at like the hard rock over there. Like my friend, uh, Sharif, he's from Egypt and mm. like, he'll see me walking up. And by the time I walk up, he's got a beverage there waiting and a big mm. hug and very cool. You know, if you, you know what if you have the right spirit and you treat people with dignity and respect people will mm-hmm. give their your the shirt off your back mm-hmm. uh, i've experienced it angels emerge everywhere i remember yes, yes, um when uh this guy Atif Aslam, who was you know the, the the pop singer from um pakistan he called me and said hey i want you to come to england i'm playing this gig and uh you know so i said okay so i he flew me over to london and we're driving and he's like guess where we're going and I'm like, um, to see the queen. And he's like, come mm-hmm. on. Man. And I go to see Peter. And he's like, yes, Peter Gabriel. So wow. he, he's friends with Peter Gabriel. So we went to Peter Gabriel's house and, um, just absolutely, um, so impressed you know they say don't meet the people that you admire because they might they could let you down not with yeah. peter no that was Amazing. just absolutely remarkable then we went to his studio real world you know in bath england and recorded there that song dreamer awakes in fact when we played it oh no we played him another song it was a it was a it was a an urdu song or maybe it was mm-hmm. a punjabi song that's the language they sing in over in pakistan mm-hmm. and so we play it for peter and it was rough and it had you know a gilby and matt from guns and roses on it and it was sort of like we wanted to do this cross-cultural um collaboration so we play it and then we finish and peter's like oh wow that's great i love it and we're and so i'm going like so do you have any ideas anything you'd like to add and no no it's perfect and i could tell he did because you can you know creative people they have it in their eye but he's but he's a humble guy and i'm like "Um," he goes well there is one thing um and it was a great idea for a string arrangement and um he was just he was spectacular. And that, that was an incredible 10 days in London. So I was with, with Atif for five days to do this concert, which was a whole, that's a whole other story. Cause it was one of those sort of, he's very, he's a Bollywood singer. So it's, he's very mm-hmm. wealthy, you know, Indian people from India. Um, mm-hmm. They hire these pop stars or actors to come for their weddings. Yeah. Pay them like a yes. million dollars. Uh, mm-hmm. And it was in London. So that was just a whole, I mean, I met some really cool people there, including this Pakistani woman. And, um, you know, I, she said, well, where are you going to stay? And I said, I'm not really sure. And she's like, well, um, you want me to find you a place? I go, oh, no, that's cool. I'll find something. I mean, London's expensive. And, you know, at this point I'm trying to, you know, cleanse and get ready to, you know, move out of my place and go on the great adventure. Anyway, she said, Oh, I found a place for you. And I get into the place and I'm like, Oh, her name is Farah. I go, Farah, why, you know, like this, like, this is way out of my range. And she's like, No, it's taken care of. Don't worry. My family's taking care of it because of, you know, what you're doing for, with the children in Pakistan. And I'm like, And I had to go, I had to humbly accept because that's just, part of the deal when someone goes out of their way for you i mean you Mm -hmm. you can't sit there and let your pride get in you know in the midst no no absolutely you know so there's so many 
you know, encounters like that. And, and I'll never forget that. That was so cool of her. And I ended up, my a friend of mine was playing, singing with Roger Waters. So I actually mm-hmm. went to go see Roger Waters, my friend, Robbie Wyckoff and uh, at the Wembley stadium, which was pretty phenomenal and uh, met some other really cool people. And, and, you know, some of those guys actually ended up playing some benefits. So we had this really weird mix of, you know, you got the guys from Roger Waters band, some guys from Guns N' Roses, the mm-hmm. cast of Full House. And this mm-hmm. was like, this was kind of my little tapestry, you know, here um, <laughs> of, uh, you know, and Mark Levine was there and he brought this Egyptian singer, Rami uh, Isam. Uh, and it was like, yeah, this is, this is it. It's gotta be this eclectic array of, Mm -hmm. you know, um, this sort of a love Supreme caravan coming Mm -hmm. together for a common cause. And there's virtually no ego at all. I mean, right. Right. And we did three of those. Yeah. Very important. You mentioned the word ego. I, I tell people more than, more than ever now that the biggest change, the biggest shift in my life was when I lost my ego. And uh, I can clearly say that with conviction that I, I do not have an ego anymore. And it's so liberating not to have an ego. So I totally understand when you say there was no ego, the, the joy that was around that group was, was probably unbelievable. The spirit, the connection was probably out of this world. It was great. Now, it really was. It was great. I can tell. I wish I was there. Now, <laughs> you know, each step that you're going through in your life, even even in the early days in the 80s when you're in the Hollywood metal scene and growing up, it seems like every it was like just a step, like a series of steps. You would go up to the next step, the next step, the next step. And it was a, just a natural progression of where you're going, you know, and um, and changing your perspective and changing your, your thought process when you got to Pakistan was kind of the the top of those steps. And then you had another bunch of steps to start climbing up. That's the way I see that analogy. So, so you're in Pakistan and you, and you moved by the, yes, yeah, it's, it's a big ladder, right? And, and thank God it's a big ladder. We never want the ladder to end. So you're, you're, you're in Pakistan and you're being moved by these children. And then you come up with an idea to, to teach them the arts, right? To teach them what you're great at, which is guitar playing. You're, you're, an, you're an accomplished guitar player. You're well-respected. You, as you say, you write many songs and this is, this is inside of you. And it, 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 is that, am I correctly explaining that or, or presenting that to you? What happened, what happened was, is that I, I wanted to do collaborations with other artists to raise funds for the children. I wasn't mm-hmm. thinking about sharing the music with them. Okay. Then when I, uh, I read a story about two Afghan girls, sisters, mm. one was mm. nine, one was 13. Mm. One was named Parwana and her name means butterfly, which is why I love mm. the, the metaphor of the butterfly and the metamorphosis. Mm. And her sister's name is Khorshid, which meant, which means mm. the sun. And they were killed in a suicide bomb attack by the Taliban. That was uh, September 8th, 2012. Mm-hmm. And I just felt such a a loss of words, and it just—I mean, I've been reading so many stories about children and people living in poverty and war, and for some some reason, this one just took it to another level. Mm-hmm. And I, I just put it out there, like I—I I, I just feel like I got to meet this family. And so I met somebody who said, you know, come on over, uh, and I'll take you to meet them. So I went to meet them and one of their sisters who was eight at the time of this attack. Um, and of course, uh, in addition to that, I had actually, I, in this article, they talked about some veterans that knew the girls and they wrote 
this one in particular named Brad Pupella wrote a beautiful article about them and how just they were brave and incredible. And they were like his best friends and what a, just a mm. horrible loss. And so I contacted Brad and you can imagine him like, and I really it was difficult getting a hold of gold, getting a hold of him. And then when I said, you know, Hey, I used to be on this TV show full house. Then he, he's like, someone's not going to make something up about that. And so he was just, he was pretty, he was pretty impressed by that. Um, but uh, impressed by the fact that this weird musician would want to go to Afghanistan to meet some uh, these, the family of these girls from a story that he wrote. Mm. Um, and he was actually at our benefits as well. And he spoke um, and uh, we got some great footage of him talking about the girls too. When my friend of mine came out and shot some footage, but so I, you know, so I go up there to this really poor, really dangerous area. Now, of course, I don't really, uh, you know, I, I, I wouldn't do it now because I wouldn't want to put somebody else at risk, mm -hmm. but at that point I didn't know any better. So I go up and I meet the family and it was just profound. Mm -hmm. And uh, the mother, I understand very complex story, but initially it was very pure, very beautiful, but, um, you know, different people handle their trauma in different ways. Mm -hmm. So, um, at this point, the, it was a mother, the mother had had 12 children, six, some of them have died either because of war or poverty. The husband was a very violent man. He ended up leaving the family. He was an opium addict. And, um, so they were up in this area where they were living in a, like a, one room place, no kitchen, no running water, no um, bathroom, nothing. And so I just said, you know, what, what can I do? And she said, well, you know, you can, you know, get us another house and, you know, um, uh, get my children into school. And so I had brought a guitar with me and the, the, the sister that survived that attack said, are you going to be my teacher? And I guess mm -hmm. that's like where it, you know, I came back and I was doing one of my little meditative walks where I lived in Long Beach, California. And that's when girl with a guitar popped into my head. Cause I had already thought of miraculous love kids when I met the kids, you know, uh, but this one was like, because the rights of girls over there is abominable. It was abominable before the Taliban. Now it's just, it's untenable. You know, they're mm -hmm. like, they're like in the biggest prison in the world right now in Afghanistan, basically millions and millions of girls over there. So, um, you know, that that's that's kind of how that organically all came to be. So I went back. Um, I was the first time I went there was March 6th, 2014. March 8th, when I met this girl, Mersal, who was the survivor of that attack, who's killed her sisters, mm -hmm. that was International Women's Day. So wow. it was like, like, wow. wow, that was a pretty cosmic moment. Uh, and I was a short trip, five day trip. And so I come back, like, I don't know how to, you know, I'm not, I've never done the fundraising thing before. My friend Todd does all that. And I was just coming over, you know, to help him. Mm. And he's like, man, you got to, you got to do your own thing now. And so I, I just did a GoFundMe and we raised $10,000. And then wow. I, and, and I had no contact with the family because they didn't have a phone and they, they don't speak, you know, any English and I didn't speak any Dari. So, um, when I came back in uh, June of uh, 2015, was um, yeah, that, so that was about 15 months. Uh, I had the money, and I said, "You guys ready to move?" And they the next day we, we moved them into a new place, uh, paid for it for a year, got them registered in school. I mean, ten thousand dollars. I mean, you know, then I gave them uh, what I give them two hundred a month. Uh, so that was um, 
yeah, whatever, 2,500 plus paid 2,500. So 5,000 in the school. So that took care of them for, you know, about a year and a half, that 10,000. Unbelievable. What a rewarding experience. And when you, when you started to tell the story from the beginning, when the young girl asked you, are you going to be my teacher? Yeah. Did that melt your heart? Did that, did that just say, I'm in the right place right now? I know what I have to do. I, I the innocence of that child and, and, this is my mission now that that was that was that something that you felt at that moment? Yeah. And that's and she's the first one, I think, that called me Mr. Lanny. I never said I just said, my name's Lanny. I'm from America. And they're like, OK, Mr. Lanny. And that's that's what they hmm. the kids all, all call me. And um, so usually they call you. It's funny. Little sidebar with the the language over there. So usually they call you uncle, or if you're mm-hmm. you know older, they'll call you Haji, you know, because mm-hmm. Haji is like you know you've gone to Hodge. So mm-hmm. it's kind of a great. Uh, the, the smaller children will call you that, mm-hmm. um, even though I have never been to Hodge. I'd like to go to Hodge. It, 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 you know, Saudi Arabia and all that. But anyway, but usually they call you uncle. But in in their language, um, it's it's Kaka. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Kaka is the name for uncle. I went to visit these children in Kabul and they were special needs children, disabled. And this one boy kept going, Kaka Psycho, Kaka Psycho. And I'm like, I asked the guy that's running the organization. I go, why is he calling me Kaka Psycho? And he's like, oh no, he's saying, uncle, look. He, this boy was looking at all the birds flying outdoors. So oh, that goodness. became my nickname for a while, Kaka Psycho. That so when I explained so, to them incredible. that, that you know, I told them what Kaka meant, and then I told them that Psycho is like a you know slang word for crazy, they just thought that was hilarious. So they, that, that was, they, they've got a really incredible sense of humor over there. And Faz, that's the word for, for funny is Mazaki. So, and Duktar is girl. So, you know, I, and of course they laugh because I'm sure my accent is just abominable, but, uh, but I, I do my best and I stumble great. I try to stumble graciously through the language, but anyway, this girl Mersal and there was a handful of them and they, I taught him English, started teaching them guitar, but a lot of times we would spend time just talking about their life. Um, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I was helping to raise them. It wasn't easy cause I have no background in this and, but mm-hmm. just to be mm-hmm. present and try to stay calm. Uh, mm-hmm. As they're, you know, trying to deal with their trauma and test boundaries mm-hmm. and live in a, a place that where girls are, you know, married off, um, you know, when they're 14, 15 years old. Mm-hmm. I actually had to end up stopping this girl from getting married. And uh, that was a whole mm-hmm. deal. And uh, and then it just got to be where I couldn't I couldn't keep up anymore, because once you do that, you make a lot of enemies, <laughs> as you can right. imagine. Right. Right. Um, sure. Right. Sure. I, I think as we talked before, you have to decide like, okay, am, am I going to step outside and do the right thing? Especially because mm-hmm. this girl, I mean, everything that she'd been through and we, we were, we're really connected because um, after this whole ordeal went down, um, she, she left her mother and then she was in this, uh, she was staying with her sister and then my brother, had passed away. This was 2019 on the Sorry. same day as her sister, September 8th, my wow. brother passed 2019. So it was like seven wow. years of art. Seven is a very mystical number. And this date, September 8th, and she came over and she's crying and she's like, my uncle Dominic is, is my sisters are meeting uncle Dominic now. And oh it was just goodness. like, I know you cannot make this stuff up brother. 
And I have this incredible picture of her looking at my brother was an artist and of his art. And then I have a picture of him in our, in our studio. It's just, it's beautiful. It's uh, it's, yeah. I'm yeah. So yeah, that was That's first my condolences about your brother, first of all. Um, but th- when you're on the path that you're, that you're on, these wonderful gifts happen, right? Isn't it, isn't it amazing how they just appear out of nowhere and they, well, you know, my brother was the first one to get it. My other, my rest of my family mm-hmm. didn't get it first. They were understandably, mm-hmm. it's like, what he's lost his mind. He's going to go mm-hmm. teach guitar in Afghanistan mm-hmm. for nothing. I mean, it's so, but now they're my biggest supporters. I mean, my mom and my, my dad my stepdad, my sister, all of them, they're, they're all just down with the cause. And, you know, now they've, they've seen, the vision come to fruition. And, um, so it's, uh, but my brother, Dominic, totally, he just got it. And, you know, when I was in Pakistan and I, after that all went down, my mom said, would you please, would you write a song for your brother? And I'm like, Oh, you didn't just say that. That is like, I don't like, that's just, you know, that's really tough, but I was in Pakistan and, um, there was this composer from Iceland name um oh uh, what is his name um let me see i have it well anyway it's an icelandic composer and um he had this piece of music and i and the words just poured out and so like I, and he had passed away right around the same time as my brother did same wow. age as my brother and so it was almost like this these b- b- beautiful ghosts you know mm-hmm. helping guide guiding you guiding you through yeah yeah yeah, yeah. incredible incredible yeah. Uh, uh unbelievable uh, what a, what a <laughs> unbelievable I, I don't even know what to say except unbelievable and a, i hate to keep yeah, saying a, unbelievable but well it's a, it's a mystical journey it's a mystical journey absolutely so you you're, you're, after you took care of that family for the year emotionally you were very attached to them i'm sure and you came back to the States, correct? After yep. the, okay. And, and obviously it was, must've been very hard to leave them because you became their, their benefactor, their patriarch, their family, whatever, whatever we want to call it, whatever we want to call it, but you became part of the family. So you came back to the States and you had a yearning that you knew you had to go back. Am I correct there? Uh, this is now yes, your life, well, correct? Oops. Something just popped up here. Um, I, they, the first thing they did, and I thought about it and I said, well, if this goes the way I think it's going, then I already had the answer. But the first thing they said to me wasn't, hi, how are you? They said, when are you leaving? <laughs> like there's, they're just like, you know, and, no, you can't leave. And so, and I, and they go, we really want wow. you to be a teacher. And I said, so I goes, are you guys serious now? Cause I mean, if I'm going to be a teacher, man, this is going to be like, right. you know, you're going to have to practice and you're going to have to really, Oh, you know, I mean, these are at this time her saw was, I think 10. Uh, and then she had brought some of her friends. So, and it was a, the group of girls that usually were in that area. And so a lot of them have survivor's guilt. There was, so there was Mersal and then these three other girls. And so it was little, there were little gang of them that came up and, you know, and so I just said, okay. So I went back and I put on an, um, a benefit and uh, I said, okay, well, if we raise this, this amount of money, then I'm moving out February 1st, mm-hmm. uh, the place that I've lived in for years in Long Beach, California. Mm-hmm. We did. And all the signs pointed in the direction and uh, I didn't know where I was going to stay. I didn't really know that many people over there, but um, 
I just took the leap of faith. And mm-hmm. so um, I got a, a, a person working with me and the girls would come over with their mothers. Uh, I had four of them to start with. In a month, we had about 25 couple of months we had 40 and then right before COVID hit there was hundreds coming through our our model was like basically you know they're street kids so they're working on the street for money so um there my thing is okay well you come here how much are you making you're making two dollars a day all right you come here learn guitar and English and I'll give you two dollars for that day wow wow and then if you do really well then you you're going to start getting more so I want so we're sponsoring them and so that was the model number one well-being education music getting them off the streets because it's very dangerous explosions everywhere kidnappings molestations you name it yeah. you know the the nastiness is 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 you know out there and these girls are extremely vulnerable and uh you know most of them weren't going to school and uh, so you know that was i mean uh, it was just um humbling and you know mm-hmm. these mothers would come in with their daughters because people are like oh these people are going to kill you they're going to run you out you're, you're, right. and i'm like not only did that not happen it was the complete opposite these people mm-hmm. were happy that i cared and i was there to help and they could see, feel the sincerity and so they would weep these tears and they come in and some of them had no arms and you know some of them with just wounds in their legs and usually afghan women don't lift up their you know um you know dress or whatever to show you their wounds but you know they could feel that i you know i wasn't there for anything other than to help and then i have you know then i get, i made friends with a bunch of doctors so then i'd bring them in to meet the doctors and help on that front and dermatologists because some of them had skin issues and you know all kinds of stuff i mean it's it's really um you know and then i remember this one man came in with his, his daughters and he said, you know, I, I don't have much time left and I want you to be my children's father. Oh my goodness. Wow. Wow. I didn't know what to make of that. And I just said, can you, can you give me a minute? <laughs> so I was went in the other room and I just, I mean, the, you know, Wow, tears coming down. I said a little prayer. What do I do? Then I went back in and I just said, you know, I, I hope you, he looked really sick. And I said, I hope you live forever, but I'll do it on one condition. You're always big father. Number one, and I'll be small father. Number two. And uh, so, and to this day, we're supporting that. There's a girl named Fadiha, another one, Hadia, and a little boy named Zamir. And uh, the mother's really wonderful woman. And, um, you know, they, they, you know, this past seven months, today's been a seven month anniversary since the Taliban took over. Uh, the, this, this family has just really stepped up big time. You know, some of them have not been as strong because they're just the trauma you know, some of the girls are doing so well, they're getting impatient with the other ones. So, mm-hmm. and we have a word in, or there's a word in Dari that I use uh, called Bahana, which means excuse. And they're like, oh, these girls are too Bahana, Mr. Lanny. And I said, well, look at, you have to understand that not, you know, first of all, you, I've spent a lot of time with you because of her family wasn't so good. So I was, 
then I taught her English and now she's kind of my assistant. She's only 16 Her nickname's jelly bean. And um, so she's getting a little impatient with some of the other families that aren't stepping up because she finally got back with her family because it was a big problem with that. And, uh, but she's really doing well. And I said, just have some more patience and, you know, and things will happen the way they're supposed to happen. And uh, she's like, well, they, you know, I, I contact them and they don't go, you know, and I go, I, I understand it's frustrating, but you know, just, this is part of your job, right? You're my assistant. So you have to listen to me and you know, I listen to you. You tell me the report. I know the way you feel. I agree with you, but um, I know it's different because you're there and I'm here and it's easier for me to say it like this. So they've taught me so much just about how to um, be more diplomatic and, you know, compassionate and, and all of this. So uh, yeah, there's, 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 a, there's quite a few stories like that. And um you know, the, and there's, you know, yeah. I mean, when, the, when those kids look at you, you know, with that look of like hope, when you, trust, when you hope and trust, emanate yeah. hope, when you emanate hope and trust, there's mm-hmm. nothing better. You nothing know, better. I mean, yeah, I, I, I was reared up in the, in the rock and roll scene and did all the cliche rock and roll stuff and it's vacuous, it's empty, it's overrated, it's dangerous, and it's nothing like being of service to humanity, especially the children, the elderly, the, you know, the disabled, uh, the vulnerable, the voiceless, you know, when you can be a voice for them, when you can, you know, when, when somebody comes to your place and, you know, you, you've got some fruit and some bread and they start falling down wanting to kiss your feet, you know, I'm like, ah, oh, that's, that's a little, it's humbling. Yeah. And it's like, please, no, no, we're equal. I'm, yeah. you know, I would hope right. you do that for me, you know, um, you know, so amazing, amazing. You know, Absolutely. uh, I, 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 I don't want to go back, but I do want to ask you one question and then we'll, we'll continue at this point now. But when the young, when the young girls first got the guitar, when they finally hit, played it correctly, how was that for you? Uh, that was just the first time they play that the first E minor chord. It's just Mm -hmm. like, not only for me, but for them, they're like, Oh my God, if I can do this, what else can I do? It's Mm -hmm. just remarkable. I mean, you know, there, I I taught guitar for a long time and, you know, when you're getting paid to do it, you know, uh, it's, you know, in in a, in a safe area, you know, it's cool. It's a great thing to teach and share music, but to do it with those who would never, ever have the opportunity so, you know, as they're learning, you know, the songs and we, well, it was, um, I think the first song I t- showed them was Bob Marley. Don't worry about a thing. Every little thing. Oh, oh my Which, goodness. That's know, amazing. Yeah. It, well, you know, it just, it, it, it just was not, yeah, it is amazing, but there was an explosion. It was April 19th, 2016. I'd been there since February 1st and it was like, an earthquake, you know, because coming from California, we know earthquakes quite well. And, Mm -hmm. but this was not an earthquake. This, although they do have a lot of earthquakes in Afghanistan, this, yeah, it was a whole different thing. And it it was just like, oh my God, how many people, that was my first experience with a suicide bomb attack. And it was close to our place. It was in the morning. And so I'm just thinking, I'm like, okay, we got to, do a so, uh, so the first song that came into my mind was fragile by sting 
Mm-hmm. Blood will fall, flow and flesh and steel are one drying in the color of the evening sun. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow's rain will wash the stains away, but something in our minds will always stay. Perhaps mm-hmm. this final act was meant to clinch a lifetime's argument. Nothing comes from violence. Nothing ever could for all those born beneath an angry star, lest we forget how fragile we are. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, those are pretty sophisticated lyrics. Um, <laughs> and of course, I didn't think about that. But you know what? It was a good decision because I never dumbed it down for them. Right. I always wanted to smart right. it up. I wanted to push them. I said, I'm going to push you. And so, um, so you know, my thinking is, is if they can play in tune, if they can play in time, and they can play the right chords, I don't really care what comes out of their mouth. You know, whatever melody comes out, it is what it is. So we we did that. And it was a kind of a joyful racket, you know, uh, and then we went to go to the presidential palace and we played for the former first lady and the girls did great. They're very poised. And she, the first lady came up and she said, you girls are really good on guitar, but you really need to practice your singing. And they were like, oh, well, how dare she? How, how we, <laughs> we're, 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 we're great singers. And I'm, and they look at me and I'm like, no, girls, <laughs> it's not great. <laughs> It's great what you're doing, but the sound is not great. So, well, what do we do? I said, well, when we when we get back next time, we're going to start the next phase. And that's when they started learning. You know, blood will flow. They would just learn three notes at a time until they got it all down. And that was sort of our model. And then once they kind of get that, then we then we did um, uh, Love and Mercy and by Brian Wilson. And mm-hmm. how cool is this? This is the first song that they ever recorded. Brian in L.A., Girls in Kabul, do Love and Mercy with Brian Wilson. That's the first song Unbelievable. ever recorded. Unbelievable. I, I, I mean, saw I, the video. I, I, it's I, incredible. So, yeah, I mean, Marsal is the, I think I might maybe mentioned to you, she's the very first girl in, in the very first scene walking into our place uh, on that video. And mm-hmm. so that was... Um, the beginning of these collaborations with these renowned musicians. The next song we did was with, um, with sweet dreams, the uh, eurythmic song. Mm -hmm. And the part that I love that they, it gets drowned out in their version is the part. She's like, hold your head up, keep. So we really enunciated, hold your head up, keep your head up, you know, because yeah, there's some of them that want to abuse you and, you know, and all of this kind of stuff. But in spite of all these obstacles, you got to keep your head up. Don't let mm-hmm. them drag you down. Right. You know, right, sweet dreams right. are made of this. I mean, it's right. kind of a double entendre. It's like a nightmare, but there's still wisdom, mm-hmm. you know, uh, to be to be gleaned from that nightmare. And uh, so we were we were lucky to get um, a great drummer named Chris Myers from a band called Umphreys McGee. Mm-hmm. And we got Kathy Valentine from uh, the Go-Go's on bass. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we got a Go-Go and we got a Bangle. Vicki Peterson, remarkable guitarist and remarkable woman playing guitar. Then um, we got um, Wayne Kramer, who is a great guitar player from a band called MC5. And Rami Jaffe from the Foo Fighters on the keyboards. And Mr. Tom Morello. Mm -hmm. uh, Tom Morello. From Rage Against the Machine. And Tom not only came on board as a musician, he's been a spokesperson for us as well. Mm. And did some interviews that we did with uh, the BBC and all of that. And he's just such an eloquent, wonderful guy. Um, and and so Jellybean, she was in and out for a while, but luckily she was in this. She's very good. 
And so her first video, she was in the love and mercy video, but that's when she kind of first started. So, um, but at this point she's elevated. So she, and really her first video that she's kind of featured in, there's a split screen of her and Tom sharing mm-hmm. the lead guitar part. So that's another moment for me of just like, couldn't be any, any prouder of, of that. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. So as of how many children, how many young ladies do you have now in the program in Afghanistan? How, how large is it right now? Well, we're supporting uh, hundreds, um, but, you know, obviously there's no music going on anymore. So we're right. going to get out, right. you know, um, as many as we can, you know, however we can. Hopefully we can do it through, you know, the, the, the passport visa channel but if we can get them out on, through other ways then we'll, we're going to do that because they're basically living like i said in a prison i'm their lifeline i mean i don't know what it would be like you know because it's tough enough with even though they have me to speak to there's a lot of the girls that don't speak enough english and my diary is not enough to um you know communicate at a deeper level so you know um yeah i mean really it's turned into it'll be probably 20 girls doing the guitar that I'll spend more time with wherever we get them. And then the rest will be just to support them to, you know, get through until we can get them out and then see where it goes from there. But yeah, you know, uh, it's, 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 you know, extremely, as you know, dangerous. So one of the girls, I asked all of them when, when I left or when I, you know, I, I actually was on the last commercial flight out, not knowing the Taliban were coming in. Otherwise I would have made other arrangements and, and whatnot, but uh, that wasn't meant to be. And so I told all of them, you know, get rid of your guitars. Number one. Well, they didn't all listen to me. <laughs> and then the Taliban recently started going house to house. So they, they got rid of them. And one of the girls, Oh my God, she was just so broken up. I mean, there's, they sent me a vid- video. She was so distraught. This guitar was given to her by a good friend of ours, uh, Colonel John Pumphrey, who's a Canadian uh, Colonel and the, uh, in the, yeah, from, from Canada. And so, um, yeah, she loved that guitar, but I, you know, I left her a little message, you know, just saying, you know, Hey, when you get through this, we're going to get you another guitar. Colonel John understands and uh, but, you know, this is how cruel these people, these people are, you know, I may not sound like a big deal in the whole scheme of things, but, you know, for oh, a it's, it's a big girl, deal. It's a big deal. Her lifeline. And mm-hmm. she was she was still practicing. And but the father did the right thing because, you know, I asked them to do that because, you know, the last thing I would want is anything to happen to them, because, number one, their most important yeah. thing is their life, their kids, their life. They'll, pick, they'll pick back up and they're going to be better than ever. And their story is going to be remarkable of everything they've gone through and everything they've seen. You know, we did, this was, this came out in May. We did a, we did fly like an Eagle, the Steve Miller song. Which, Amazing. You know, I is, saw it. Yeah. Yeah. It's... So this, this, that's sort of the sacred recipe, I think of humanity in that song where he says, feed the babies who don't have enough to eat, shoe mm-hmm. the children with no shoes on their feet. How's the people mm-hmm. living in the street. And then the girls, you know, trade off with Sammy and Chad Kruger from, um, um, Nickelback and, and Sammy, Sammy Hagar, correct? Sammy, Sammy Hagar, Hagar from Van Halen yeah. is, is singing yeah. on it. Sammy was ab- just remarkable and agreed to do it. And, and was, uh, and, and Rami Jaffe was on that too, from Foo Fighters and Nate, great, the great bass player, Nathan East plays with Eric Clapton and <laughs> Phil Collins. I mean, these kids have played with, you know, I mean, all these legends, and it's, 
Yeah. It really is. And they deserve it. Cause you, when you hear the progression from love and mercy to, you know, sweet dreams and then fly like an Eagle. And that's when we did the good morning America program. And that's when I met Kiefer Sutherland and Kiefer has come on board as a spokesperson as well. Another remarkable guy mm-hmm. like uh, Tom Morello, like Sammy Hagar, like Vicki Peterson, who not only, you know, did songs with the girls, but also became spokes, you know, people mm-hmm. for them. And um, so then we re- recently just uh, released uh, a couple of weeks ago, a Tom Morello song uh, to, to thank him for everything he's done for us. And another musician that's come on board with us, an incredible musician named John Androsik from the band Five for Fighting. He's, he's really been an advocate for the Afghan people and Afghan musicians. Uh, so he's featured on that along with Beth Hart, Victoria Williams, Nils Lofgren, you know, plays with Springsteen and Neil Young. Yes. Yes. Uh, and um, Julian Baker, another great singer. Oh, and then this little wonderkin, Nandi Bushell, who mm-hmm. um, she does. She's a multi-instrumentalist, but she's from England and she's a really great drummer. She's 11 and she does these drum battles with Dave Grohl and, you know, Roger Taylor from Queen. And, and it, it's, it's in her, and her mother and father are just remarkable. So I, I think all of them are a little bit nervous to do stuff right now, which I understand until the girls are out. And uh, so when the girls are out, they're going to have so many cool people that are going to want to jam with them. And then Nandy's already, you know, the father said, you know, let's, let's make, write a song together with, you know, all the girls and when they get out and, and, and all that kind of stuff. So and then, we, you know, we have a song with Nick Cave, who's one of my favorites. Uh, it's an original song mm-hmm. that Nick and I wrote. Um, it's called, you know, um, Breathless Beautiful. And the basic premise of the song is I think Nick wrote it for his wife. And he said he could never find a melody. And I read it. And it was to me, it was like, um, you know, even no matter how bad things get or a loss of somebody, there's always a sacred chamber in the heart where that can exist and live and reside. And that's where that song, it's just, it's just exquisite. I really want that to get the proper attention because that's really sort of our first original song. Uh, and with Nick Cave, I mean, geez, that's, that's just mind blowing. But then yeah, the other ones we can't have wait to hear it. Recorded. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then we've got um, a song with uh, Blake Shelton. We're doing Tom Petty's I Won't Back Down. Mm-hmm. And then uh, another singer from a group called Portishead named Beth Gibbons. We're doing mm-hmm. David Bowie. You know, heroes, and oh, wow. you know, wow. it's like I started. I started directing myself because well, I was the only one available and around, and I just I know the song so well, and I know the, we have limited footage. So, and then we got to the point where it's like, well, we don't have because I, I have to get equal screen time for all the girls. So all the other directors are way better than me, but they don't know the girls names and you know and and there's a lot of dynamics and confidence building that goes with it so i had to go into my own little you know um flip cam iphone files and find some footage to fill it out and it really it really is cool i'm really pleased with it so so we've got an albums where the material uh you know once they're once they're out and uh, we find the right way to you know put that out there and uh you know we have, we have plans for uh, however we can tell this story documentary series i mean i think a documentary would be great because that would take everything up till now and then the series about where do we go from here because a lot of them 
want to go with me to Iraq. They want to go with me to Yemen. They want to go with, you know, of course they want to go to America and it would be great to have a whole series, just seeing like little Alice in Wonderlands, discovering America, going to the Grand Canyon and Zion and Sun Studios. Mm -hmm, And, mm -hmm. you know, uh, it's, 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 it'll be amazing. It'll be incredible. You know, it's the reason why I'm doing this is and it's kind of taken a life of its own since I started. And the reason why I'm doing it, not just to have a podcast and try to hopefully entertain and inspire people, but to act as an advocate for our guests as well. And uh, I bring this up to you now because I really can't get into too much detail to protect some people, but we've, we've, we'll talk about it offline, but we've, we have some people that may be able to help get the girls out. That's the first thing. Yeah. Um, the second thing is we, we, I'm part of a company, thankfully, and I'm grateful to be part of it that does basically all of the touring across the country. And we know every tour manager and everybody in the business as you do too. But the, the ideal situation would be once we get the girls back and we will get the girls back, oh, yeah. uh, to do a, to do a tour and do a, do a tour. I, I like to call this thing I'm speaking about that. I can't get into too much detail with you now, but a marriage of humanity. It's a perfect marriage of humanity that just came about because I met you and I met others and people are aware of this podcast being recorded today and they're very eager to hear it. And, uh, we'll, we'll be in touch about this when we're finished. I guarantee you that. Um, the, the, uh, what you're doing is extraordinary. Where can we find these videos uh, of, of all this great work you've done and the great work that the young ladies have done as well? On our website, which is miraculouslovekids.org. And I have a YouTube channel as well. So under Lanny Cordola. Uh, but yeah, miraculouslovekids.org is um, uh, is where you know a lot of information, the videos uh, and whatnot. I haven't done too much. I mean, people, some people had concerns like, well, you should take the the website down. And I'm like, if I take it down, that's their lifeline because that's where the mm-hmm. funds come in. And mm-hmm. I'm still mm-hmm. raising funds to support them now. And we got to have a little nest egg. We can't just all of a sudden, hey, here we are, you know, because then they're just going to be refugees thrown into camps. So um, we decided together, I asked all of them to talk to their parents and they were really funny. They said, well, Mr. Lanny, we know you're a famous man in America. And I said, well, no, I'm not really a famous man in America, but but thank you. Flattery will get you some places. And they said, but we don't think the Taliban are like looking at your, um, looking at the website and your YouTube channel. What courage, what courage. I said, yeah. um, So, and also, for, so that people would know, I mean, they do not leave their house without being fully covered and they mm-hmm. are with their fathers and they're protected. They, yeah. Yeah. And when the Taliban did come into their house, they're all covered. So even if they went on a girl hunt to find them, it, it would be, you know, needle in a haystack stuff. Right, and right. Uh, they've got much bigger problems right now. And we're not actively doing it. You know, I actually had the presence of mind to, to shoot six videos and record six songs two days before I left. Now the girls were all telling me, Mr. Lanny, Taliban are coming. And I'm like, Oh, come on, my little drama Queens. It's going to be okay. You know, cause there was no reports that they were going to come that quick. They said the soonest, and it would be a bloody battle would be three months. And I was going to be back in three weeks. Mm-hmm. So I listen to them now when they tell me stuff, I listen uh, because they're there. And I think that the energy of kids are more in tune with yes, uh, certain frequencies and vibrations that we, as we, we lose, as we get older, um, that part of our brain shuts down. Um, and so 
you know, to get back to that sort of, um, you know, that's that, that way of being is to really, you know, listen to them. Listen to them. Yes, absolutely. Well, we're going to run, obviously we're going to run the website and uh, your YouTube channel and graphics on this podcast once we edit it. But I have two things I want to commit myself to you here with. And the first thing is, of course, what I mentioned to you that I really can get into detail with you right now. But the second thing I can get into detail with you is that we have some people who are, uh, who are interested in possibly uh, donating substantially to, to your cause. And, We'll introduce you to these folks uh, properly, um, and uh, I, I know that they'd be very interested in what you're doing. And I have the feeling that we're going to be able to uh, help you fund fund what you're doing and continue your great work. Um, and we'll get we, you and I are good friends now. We'll be even better yeah. friends. So we'll be talking. We'll be Soul speaking a lot now. Over here, <laughs> absolutely, brother, absolutely. So we'll be sharing. I'll be sharing a lot of these things with you in our in our private conversations. But I really want to thank you. When I say courage, too, you're courageous. You are. I mean, you to change the direction of your life with something you believe in is extraordinary. And um, your courage it can't even be explained. It can't even be presented in words. So I really want to thank you today for your time. Well, thank you. It, it, it's been a perspective change, a perspective change for me as well, even listening to you and hearing what you've done. And I, uh, I thank you for your time, Lonnie. I, I, I thank you. And really, I also want to thank Michael. Cousin Michael, who introduced cousin us. Michael. Absolutely. My, my genius of a cousin, Michael Giganti, a great musician, a yes. great songwriter. Yes. Wonderful human being. Yes. Um, he stayed with me last week. He's had the, 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 the it was great. For him to ha- I actually told him he stayed with me for about four or five days last week. And I was, I told him before he left, I was so happy he was here. We really enjoyed each other yeah. and it was a wonderful time together. And I can't wait for him to come back. You know, it's, um, I'm very proud of my, my cousin, you know, Michael. So yeah, it, it's, I was thinking about him and then he reached out and then he told me about you. I mean, it's, it really is mystical. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I just, uh, mm-hmm. it, there is a lot of agony and then there's a lot of, you know, ecstasy or, or just Absolutely. connecting to that higher source. So that, I think that's really, you know, uh, to encourage others to find that, um, that, that, that mystical, um, I guess that's kind of our theme today. So we'll go with it, but, you know, find that mystical voice, and yes. that will help that will help guide you because so many people are really suffering right now. That's why we released this song, God Help Us All, not just for the children of Afghanistan, which is obviously now a call for the children of Ukraine and of course Syria yes. and Yemen and Libya and Somalia and and and, and America and, and you know, America. and the children in Honduras and Mexico and, and all yes. over the place. I mean, there's the, all the, the children. Children and and even the Western countries, there's an epidemic of of suicides mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Their, their their souls are aching and we We've got to mm-hmm. be there for them. And, we do. Um, we do. So, it's our responsibility. It really is. It is. It is. And it's miraculous love kids is for is 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 for everybody, you know. And so, um, you know, mm-hmm. we'll we, we'll we'll you know explore that more as as things unfold. And um, but yeah, thank you and your uh, your crack team and what you're doing with uh, you know shining a light. I like to call it you know the rebels of light. Rebels of Light Unite, um, and um, it's 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 uh, it's our time now. You know, either it's our can, time now. It's our yeah. time now. And I, and I and I couldn't have said it any better. And I thank you, Lonnie. It's our time now. That's what. That's how we'll end it. It's yeah. our time now. It's our time now. Thank you, Lonnie. God bless you. Yeah, right, buddy. And thank you for joining us on another episode of Our Fighting Spirit. 
We'll see you again next time and uh, keep fighting and keep winning. Sophia Giganti is the definition of our fighting spirit. And one of the reasons why I decided to do this in the first place. Her book is called Strength, Resilience, Growth, How I Defied Physical and Mental Limitations and Took Control of My Future. The website is sophiagiganti.com. I thank you for watching Our Fighting Spirit, and I wish you a beautiful evening. Thank you for listening. Please make sure to follow us on your favorite podcast player and leave us a review.